Hey, this is St. John. You're listening to Misery Point Radio. Revelators, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. I trust you're taking the necessary steps to not contaminate the world with your filth. Thanks for that. And I know you're sitting around wondering if I'm dead yet and if there will be any more episodes to finish rotting what's left of your brain. Unfortunately for you, I am, in fact, still here, relatively via stream, breathing just enough to bring you today's conversation with a local singer and songwriting legend. I mean, another local songwriting legend. Besides myself, I appreciate the acknowledgement, though it means a lot. Anyway, today's guest is a local icon named St. John, and when I say local, I mean literally within a few miles of be here in the Seattle area, and under normal circumstances, I'd have just had him grab his magic carpet and zip on over to the studio and have him do a live show right from here, but sadly, that just wasn't in the cards today. But don't worry your misshapen little heads. With the dark blood magic that is the internet, we were still able to have an awesome conversation and talk him into playing a few tunes for us. It was like a live stream, but without the live part, or the streaming part, but epic nonetheless. And on top of that, he put on his bard's hat, and what was the tale? A tale of how he became St. John, how he traveled the world on his many adventures, and how he conquered the mystical realm of the recording studio with the help of legendary heroes from far off lands and far-off bands. And by the way, in the Misery Point Radio first, I got invited to his funeral. In fact, so did all of you. You get a funeral invite, and you get a funeral invite, and you get a funeral invite. And if that's not an incentive to listen to the show, well then, you're even more of a lost cause than I am. Negative 10,000 charisma, game over. So, put down that homemade katana, cancel your virtual LARPing session, and join us in the musical land of awesomeness. Check it out. All right. Hey, St. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking, I've been looking forward to this so much. Yeah, you know, it's been a kind of a long time, and I apologize it took me so long to get off my ass and get you on, but I'm, I'm glad we're able to take advantage of the craziness in the world right now and, and actually kind of uh, make this happen. So definitely an honor to have yeah. you on. Yeah, it's the nature of it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, cool. So, uh, you know, recently I noticed that it was your birthday. So happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a really great time. It's surprisingly, you know, even despite what is going on, you know, if, if people are listening to this, maybe at some point in the future saying, well, what are they talking about? Well, you know, right now we're going through this COVID-19 social distancing measure. Yeah. So m- most of the world or much of the world is in their bedroom or in their homes right now trying to, you know, t- trying not to spread the virus around. So, yeah, if, for me to celebrate my birthday in that environment, I was a little bit worried, like, oh, I'm really used to, I, I want a lot of attention on my birthday. I'm a little bit like a diva-ish, <laughs> and I want applause. I, I, used, I usually have a show where I have a bunch of friends come and even other performers. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, making making do in a time like this, and it was it was way better than I thought. We, you know, we did a, a webcast and it was so much fun. Yeah. And we're going to talk about your webcasts a little bit later on in the show, but I, I did want to let you know that I was there. I did uh, watch the live stream. You got a epic amount of engagement. I saw that people were buying you virtual beers. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. Was, yeah. That you, was, you know, as a, you know, I'm a full-time musician, so I, I have a lot of those things worked into my show so that you know if they if the people see my show and they respect the amount of work that i put into the entertainment for them then they'll say oh i want to have a way to give back to this guy so he can keep doing it and so yeah i had a like a little a tip link that where somebody could buy me a beer on there yeah no that's that's cool man i i uh, i definitely like that it was it was an enjoyable webcast i also like uh, thank you so much the fact that you have really cool 
you know, backgrounds that you that you rendered in <laughs> there. So I think you were sitting in Mars, if I remember correctly. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. I, you know, I've been a couple of, I, like, you know, I'm taking the social distancing thing very seriously. So, yeah. I've, yeah, you're on another I've planet, said, man. That's pretty crazy. I, in my various shows, I've had them in, you know, different back, different, uh, different locations like Mars and the moon. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Are you green screening that stuff? <laughs> Say again? Are you green screening that or is that a different program you're using? Oh, I can't, I can't reveal. I mean, sir, I've I, I got it. I can't <laughs> let, let the illusion down. You know, if, they, if there are any trick, if there's any trickery going on, I don't want the audience to know. He is a true magician, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and he was in fact on Mars. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. Yes, so uh... <laughs> they need to tune the show. They can deduce themselves the measures that I took to, to, to maintain my social distancing. Man, that is effort times a million. So, well, of course, I'm sure you get asked this a lot and I want to ask it. And uh, of course, you don't have to reveal since we're talking about keeping secrets, but the name St. John. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last name, first name, combination thereof, nickname you got no, in school. My first name is St. My last name is John. It's a, uh, and I have a, uh, I have a couple of middle names as well. So, but people call people. It's weird because people think it's St. John is like one, like maybe it's my first name ish type of thing. So they'll, and they'll just cut off the saint. They'll call me John, which is in it's, I'm used to it now, but it is a little bit, does turn my gear a little bit like, Oh, are they, they're calling me by my last. No, no, it's not my, they're not thinking it's my last name. I have to remember that No, Yeah. So technically uh, some people do call me just saint or SJ. Okay. So your f- yeah. your legal name is Saint yeah, yeah. Name uh, John Name. Very, yeah, I come from a very Irish and Italian Catholic family, and there was a fight in my family about what to name me, and so a whole bunch of names got dropped in. <laughs> and my mother just capitulated and said, "Okay, we're going." Yeah, uh, it's 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 a fair. It's a little more common in. It's not so common in America. I haven't run. There are some other Saint Johns that I've met in. In uh, or people named Saint in America, but it's a, it's a little more common in Canada or the UK or com- or you know uh, British Commonwealth countries. Yeah, that's crazy. And it gets shortened to Sinjin. Yeah, you can officially say that you're a saint. Yeah, yeah. It's I didn't earn it though. I didn't. There, <laughs> you know, although I like to say that I do, like because you know, become a saint. You have to. It's not that you have to be perfect or not commit any sin. It's really that you have to perform some miracles. Sure. Uh, yeah, so you, if you're going to prove your way, you got to perform miracles. <laughs> well, and you know, of course, Revelations is the perfect name for a band featuring somebody named Saint John. So uh, I love that. Yeah, thank you. I uh, I I'm a huge fan of band names like uh, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Uh, you know. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. I just loved band names like that. So I said, "Well, I can take this part of my, I can take this part of my name and add it to this, and we have a cool band name." Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's not a, you know, it's not a, uh, we're not a, it's not a Christian band. Although I grew up very, I, I grew up in a Christian school. I went to church every Sunday, and I know the Bible very well. That's 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 I'm 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 definitely more sciencey. Than uh, than than the uh, that tradition sort of leans, but um, I really appreciated the literature and the stories of yeah. it. And the, the my favorite book of the Bible is Revelations. I love the dark imagery and the, it was it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons a lot of it. And it was um, so. And it a, went along. A song that I really like, incidentally, completely unrelated, but kind of related, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, John the Revelator, which is a yeah. a really cool, yeah, really cool historical song. And then, of course, done many times over through the years by by various artists. And my favorite rendition of that is probably the one that popped up on, you know, Sons of Anarchy. Um, but just such a really, really great song. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Oh, Do you know who, who covered it? Uh, I, it might have been in Curtis. The, in the show? Or? Curtis Steiger, maybe, I believe. Was, oh, I'll uh, look it up. I'll look yeah. it up. Cool. But the original, uh, going back in the day, that, that well, I don't know if it's the original, but the one that you hear first, uh, really kind of an old gospel tune. The gentleman that sings it got this really raspy, just gnarly voice. 
yeah, that sounds yeah, yeah. almost death metal, <laughs> which yeah, is really cool. A, there's some really neat videos on YouTube of of Sunhouse singing like like at parties in people's backyards, and, and it's just so raw and and emotional it's 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 epic i like a lot of that old music and uh that, that kind of has the, the some of the gospel roots but they they brought it into the modern times kind of gave it a new twist i absolutely love that and, you know i'm a huge fan of like robert johnson from back in the day yes, and, and yes, a lot sure, of sure. a lot of people yeah. have kind of covered his stuff and and uh yeah i just i really like the history of music so uh yeah maybe you can do a cover of John the Revelator, and uh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there is my my the first band I was ever in was a blues band, actually. So this this really fits nicely because I was working at a at a, a CD store, and I was I met this this guy there who was totally we we noticed we were like always sort of shuffling through the same section in the blues areas in the blues bins, and I was like, oh, you know, we started talking about what he and he's he's a singer, and I was. You know, I was learning to play guitar, and so we put we said, well, let's let's put together this, a blues band where we just play like these all these great um, songs by people like Robert Johnson and and Magic Sam and Freddie King and Buddy Guy and just the whole you know great spectrum of of especially like Chicago and uh, you know Southern blues, but um, yeah, it really taught me a lot about the guitar about where to go on it and, and, and how to use it in the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, I, I guess we're, so we're digging into a little bit of history now. Um, so first thing that I noticed, we started talking about this a little bit off the air, but that you were from Victoria, uh, British yeah. Columbia, and I lived in Nanaimo, British Columbia oh, for, cool. you know, for a few years, uh, during my, my youth and uh, so I've been to Victoria a number of times, stayed at the Empress a number of times, seen Bouchard Gardens and spent a lot of time in Vancouver and went kayaking in Sydney, you know, a few years back. So I absolutely love that area. What was that uh, area like for you as a kid? Oh, man. So Victoria and I, and I go back all the time, actually. I, my mom still lives in Victoria now. And you said she, mom. <laughs> she, she moved back. So... Um, yeah, I'll I'll go every few months, and I was supposed to go just a few days ago. It was my mom's birthday, and of course, no, you know, we're all locked down, so there's none of that. And she's older, so there's definitely no way yeah, she's right. coming in contact with her. But the um, I still go back now, and I I I I love it. It's it's idyllic in a way, you know. It's this. It's just a, an island that you know. When people say, "Man, you you seem really West Coast to me." So, well, I'm more west than the west coast yeah. because I'm from an island off the west coast. You know, we got we're, we're there even a little bit later, you know. <laughs> it is kind of so, like taking a step back in time still when you go to Victoria, at least downtown Victoria proper. I mean, like you still see yeah. the, the RCMP. They're literally still Mounties. And, um, you know, it's got that really Victorian old English kind oh, of vibe to it. So, in so many ways, it's more, it's more British than, than England <laughs> is right now. Yeah. It is, it's, it's kind of this old colonial, almost backwater island that said, oh, no, we're, you know, the, 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 the empire moved on and this little, this little island didn't realize it. Yeah. It's, just- it's, it's you know, I, I will, I will speak. You know, you still go to and have tea in the afternoon. I'm, 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 I'm drinking my tea right now on the show <laughs> that I get from Victoria. Actually, it's it's a it's a cup. I'll I don't Plug get it. any money from it. I'm going to mention their name because they're brilliant. It's Murchie's Tea, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so yeah, I love Victoria. So, you started your career, if you will, if career is the right word to say. But I mean, you started your yeah. musical journey when you were pretty young. And then I, I was reading that you had basically started out by busking and kind of traveling all over the world. And so tell us kind of how old you were when you got started and what led up to you deciding to, you know, take that act on the road the first time. Sure. That was, I had, I was, it was out, it was just out of high school. Maybe I'd done a year of, of college and I was, I took a lot of gaps in college just cause I, I get scattered a little bit. I love learning, but I also love doing other stuff. And playing music was was one of them. And traveling 
was a huge goal of mine my whole life. I just imagined that I couldn't imagine not going places. So uh, I was already itching because I'd, I'd worked for a little while at a youth hostel down in. So I, I moved. My mother moved us when I was when I was a kid down to Southern California, and so I was working at a youth hostel down there, and I met all these people from around the world. So oh, I got to go traveling. So. I, uh, I was getting pretty okay on the guitar. I didn't have my blues band anymore. And so I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my guitar with me and to get on a plane and go to Europe. So I saved up a bit of money, and that's exactly what I did. I got myself the cheapest ticket I could to Switzerland, to grab my guitar and a medium-sized backpack, and I landed, and I realized that, if I don't go right now and try to busk somewhere, go play guitar somewhere and earn a few bucks, I'm just going to be lugging this guitar around with me for the next two or three weeks. <laughs> and it's going to be a hassle. So I got motivated. I went down and, and this, you know, I had never played a show on my own. I had never sung really in front of many, if, of anybody in front of anybody. So I was, I, this was silly. This is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but I, I got, I would land in Zurich in Switzerland, and I went down to the Zurich Sea Square, which is a beautiful like area with cafes and and, mar- and shops. And I pulled out my my guitar and I started playing. And this, uh, after a little while, there was a, a, a Greek falafel vendor who came over and said, "Here," and he and he gave me a a veggie falafel. I said, oh, that's really nice. Thank you so much. And, and uh, after a little while later, there was a cafe across the way with like a, a patio outside. And the manager came out with a, a tray with a couple of beers on it. And he put the beers down and he, and he gave me a couple of beers. I said, this is going, this, and the people have been putting <laughs> money in my, in my, in, in my guitar case. And, it really opened my eyes. Said, "Wow, I might, I might do this, okay." And then, so I, I made like ninety euros, I think, in about an hour and a half of playing. I had a couple of beers, and I had been fed. So I was like, "You know what? I'm not. This is exactly what I'm going to be doing now." And I, and I did. I ended up going from city to city, town to town. I all like 16 different countries, I think, on that one trip uh, throughout Europe. And I ended up staying there for months because I was able to make money playing in the streets. So that Switzerland experience really solidified for you that that, this is what you're going to do. Yeah, well, they, they made me feel like I was okay at it. Like I really wasn't sure if I could if I could entertain people. If they, they would say, because it was just what I had, that's how I envisioned myself my whole life. Ever since I was like three years old, I just imagined that I was singing or, you know, performing. I, that was, I was madly obsessed with my mother's and my brother's records and tapes and stuff. So I, that's just how I thought, but man, you, you know, you can delude yourself very easily. So I was, I wasn't sure. And so it was very, yeah, it was really heartwarming and, and exciting to know that I, I could do that. Do you remember if you were playing originals or were you doing covers at that time? Okay, so yeah, that was definitely mostly, so I would do some of the blues songs and there's uh, and, a, and a bunch of Beatles songs. I was, I, half of what I listened to for m- most, much of my life was Beatles or, you know, directly Beatles related. So I already knew a bunch of their stuff. And, yeah, I would slip in my stuff because I wanted to see, well, is my stuff any good? <laughs> no, I th- yeah, sure. That You know, it's easy to, like, get back by the Beatles. But, you know, can they like this song Parallax by St. John? So, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the first song, since that was your first time playing out, what was the first song you ever played in Switzerland in front of people? Yeah, I I I think it was I can reduce it down to one or two. There's a song called Rock Me and of course everybody knows the song Killing Floor, you know. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, 
So it was one of those two. I, I don't remember exactly which, but I, it was one of those. Yeah. I assume after you had been traveling around these various countries that as a songwriter, one of the things that people do is that they take those experiences and turn them into songs. So I, were there some songs that you wrote based off your experience traveling around really without a plan? Sure. They they didn't necessarily become whole songs on their own, but maybe a phrase or an image or mm-hmm. You know, something that I would learn from history in, uh, you know, on some excursion somewhere or whatever, that would end up as a thought or an idea that needs to, you know, become or like deep in a song. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. So what's one of your craziest stories about being out there on the road when you're a kid? Anything just absolutely out of control happened to you? Something catch you off guard? Something surprise you? Something funny? Yeah, uh, it's you. One of the great things is like those trips. Okay, so let me let me let me make a point here about one of the one of my the the driving things that I think is so important about making good memories is so that when times are sort of not great, you can you can change the channel. If you know if you have if you have a little bit of thought, you know if if you can if you can really push it, you can change the channel and say. And think about those good times. You can, you know, there's if there's no sense in dwelling on the badness that's going on right now, oh, you know, may as well put the, you know, the, the brain DVD on <laughs> and see, and see what was fun. So yeah, these these trips, these especially those um, when I was busking and, and hitchhiking all throughout Europe, uh, they filled my 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 nice channels up very nicely. I. I I have tons of great memories. So, uh, I'll, I'll do one right now. So, uh, I was getting out, I was in Austria, I was in Innsbruck in Austria and I wanted to go to Italy. So, which is South of there. And you have to go through, like, it's kind of part of the, this, the lower part of the Alps or the, there's some, there's a mountain range there and they, I was kind of stuck there for a little while, though, and, and most of my hitchhiking trips have been really quick. People would see my sign and they'd see that, oh, I've got my guitar and I looked fairly, you know, not like I'm going to you know, murder somebody probably. <laughs> and hitchhiking in Europe is fantastic. So, uh, but this one time I was like, oh, maybe I'm in a bad spot. But finally this, this big truck comes up, you know, lorry this, uh, you know, like they're shipping something. And he pulls up and he's Italian and he says, oh, you know, he looks at my stuff. And he, I wasn't sure. I, he wanted me to put my bag in the, in the back, like, like locked away with the, the, the cargo. And usually I keep my stuff with me. And so there were a couple of sketchy things. And I was like, oh, but I really needed a ride out. So I made a couple of compromises that I, that I typically wouldn't. And we, we start going along this, this this drive and it's a sketchy sketchy part of the road as well like we're going along this high mountain pass it's called the Brenner Pass or Brennero Pass through from Austria to Italy and it is narrow and he is an Italian driver through and through even in his big truck he is he thinks he's an F1 racer or something so I was like well and it's it this has been a good trip so far and this is probably how I die. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna fly off the side of this thing. Uh, but no, he he is a master driver. He just he just threads it like a freaking needle, and we come out on the other side in you know sliding down this hill into into Italy, and there's opens up in this huge, glorious valley with the moon and the stars, and it was warm. We had the windows down. And he starts singing opera <laughs> with the, you know, he was probably in his late 40s, early 50s, but he starts singing opera. And he, his voice was just resonant and gorgeous. I, I just imagine it was echoing through the whole valley. And I could I just looked out the window as he sang and he told me his story about having grown up wanting to be uh, an opera singer and he had trained so much. And so 
he he made this connection with me because I was a musician. He he respected that I was out in the you know playing, and it was he just couldn't he he, he could not sign up for that in a in a tour. You know, like you couldn't go on to some website that books tours for you and get that sort of experience. So I was really, I loved it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you never know. Sometimes people seem kind of sketchy and then you find out you got something in common and before you know it, all those uh, preconceived notions kind of go out the window. So that's that's an awesome story. Well, I think now Thanks, yeah. would be a super perfect time for you to maybe uh, pick up that guitar, play us a song, and sure. tell us the story of how the song came to be. Okay, let's do it. Um, I am stalling right now because I'm deciding which song I'm going to play. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah, this is totally unrehearsed, folks. We're just kind of winging this off the uh, off the top of it's, our heads it's here. It's pretty close to live. It's pretty close to live, you guys. Yeah. So this is really fun. Uh, we were just talking about, you know, early life and... and making good memories so i'm gonna play a song that i wrote about the end of my life this is a, a song that i wrote it's it's kind of my funeral song in a way okay uh, and yeah we're gonna have a you guys are any if all the listeners are as well and, and mike you are as well you're, you're now invited to my funeral i feel like we've made a connection oh i'll be there we're gonna host yeah, we're gonna host it down at, at the water's edge somewhere where, where it's convenient for most folks. And you guys put my body in a, a wooden boat and I need somebody there with some archery skills because I need that flaming arrow. <laughs> and then I've got, you know, you guys have a big party out on the uh, out on the out on the water there and play a bunch of music and drink some beer, or get stoned, or however, you know, whatever whatever people are into. Right. Awesome.
Yeah, that's called Let's Meet at Sunset. Awesome. So, many, many years from now, hundreds of years from now, hopefully, we'll, we'll meet uh, for my funeral. <laughs> I appreciate the invite to your funeral. I think that's the first one I've ever gotten in advance. So. Uh, oh, yeah, too. <laughs> don't have to bring anything. It's yeah, fine. Right on. Cool. <laughs> so at some point, your your travels abroad kind of led you back to the, the U.S. Yeah. When did you decide that you were going to incorporate the use of other musicians and hook up with what became the Revelations? Yeah, so I think I knew it had to. I mean, I could play some shows solo. You know, I would come back. I came back and I would play at some cafes and, you know, things like that and make a little bit of money. But I knew that to do anything, I'd have, definitely have to have a band. And I always, I wanted a band anyway. You know, I love, I wanted keyboards and drums and I wanted the whole thing. I even, you know, I still want more now. I've got a fairly sizable band now, but I want horns and and other parts too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, I I started asking around friends and, and uh, people at school, people, you know, people at my college and, and uh, met my met a keyboard player through college, and it just sort of bubbled out. You know, people introduced me to other people, and I've been through. I've you know, I've, I've definitely pl- got to play with a lot of great musicians in through you know throughout the years. I've been very fortunate. That's awesome. And so the the decision to kind of go the full band was just more that you felt like you needed more people to express yourself with to get that idea across in a different fashion. Oh, sure. Yeah. All the ideas of like all the the music that I heard and all the music that I was writing, even though I could play them and get the idea across solo on the guitar, it wasn't complete. It wasn't full. Like I heard it in my head. So that, and I've always, you know, I've always, always had a cello in my band because that's one of the very specific voices. I almost always hear when I'm, when I'm running, so I can always hear a cool cello part or, um, yeah. So you did, you came back, you ended up in Venice beach. I, I like the story you said, uh, or, or the blurb about saying you ended up with all of the, uh, the vagrants, the homeless, the gangbangers, and you know, all that kind of stuff, the poets, the beatniks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anybody knows Venice beach very well, that's, you know, it's, it's, especially when I was living there, it was a time where, it was it was a great mix of people and, and it was affordable to live there. So you did. You had a lot of artists and 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 people of different walks of life. It wasn't all just people, you know, tech tech workers or people who made really good money like it is now. All, all the artists and all the those, you know, not all of them, but most of the, the, the cool folks have unfortunately been moved along out of Venice in favor of the the, the rich folks. But yeah, Venice at the time was super fun. We're very artistic, and it was a it was a it was a party. I, I got to meet a lot of, and, and play play shows and organize shows with with a bunch of cool cool bands. Yeah, well, and it, you ended up recording you know your first two albums uh, during that time frame. Uh, yeah, and tell us about those albums. Yeah, I, I was. I just, I learned how to do the home recording. I got, you know, I kept on upgrading my home recording studio gear and I loved that, you know, they had, they gave you a bunch of instruments so you could, even before you had the musicians come in and play the parts, you could sort of sketch out what you wanted and record a little, because, you know, for the people out there that might be listening who aren't, who don't know that you can, they have all these samples in the computers so you can just say, oh, if I want a trumpet or if I want a piano or I want over. They, they, you can just pop it up. It doesn't necessarily sound good until you bring in the real stuff to record it, but it's like a demo. It gives you a sketch. So I was learning how to do that, and I kept, I kept finding great, you know, people to, to record with, and um, I, yeah, it was, it was, fun. it was so exciting to be able to say, look, I can record at home because you know you grow up thinking you need to have the big studios and. And all that, and I was like, no, they give you, you can just, you can do it at home now. So I felt liberated. It was exciting and liberated because people, you know, they, they, I could put the music online and then all of a sudden it's a huge, it was a huge thing on MySpace. I had like 90,000 fans on MySpace because people were sharing. It was like, this is awesome. And just out of my, you know, out of my little, my little apartment in Venice Beach. Yeah, that's crazy. And 
because of your epic online recordings, uh, you were able to kind of get some some pretty awesome gigs with some pretty cool people that led to more opportunities for you, right? Oh, yes, very much so, yeah. A, uh, a really a, a well-known producer down in Los Angeles was connected to somebody who sent him my music and he contacted me. His name is Paul Fox and he, he, he had recorded like Semisonic and the Wallflowers and Ziggy Marley and Bjork, tons of artists that, and songs that we all know. And he said, Hey man, what are you doing? And I had just actually kind of not, most of my band had sort of had been shed by this point. So I didn't really have a band. He said, so do you have a band right now? I said, well, you know, I have, I have a really good drummer, but not so much else at the moment. He said, well, let me see what I can find for you. And, you know, do you want to work? For, he, you know, he asked, do you want, he came over to my apartment and he said, play, play me some songs. And we did the whole meet and greet. It was wonderful. He was a really cool guy. And he said, well, I like your songs and I like you. And so let, let's see if I can find you some, some guys to play with. So oh, that'd be super cool. And I thought, you know, he was going to sort of shop around Los Angeles and, you know, maybe find some studio musicians and great, you know, they're excellent players and a few weeks later, I get I get an email. So, yeah, man, you want to do you want to go up to Seattle and record some songs? I said, yeah, that'd be great. You found some musicians. I said, oh yeah, I got some musicians for you. And I said, oh great. Well, who is he? I said, well, I can't really tell you yet, <laughs> but I'll give you a hint. And he and he types back, um, losing my religion. Yeah. And I said, what in the losing my religion? That doesn't. I mean, that's that's an REM song. What does he mean by REM? Like that's that didn't sound that. And so I kind of over the next couple of weeks, I pressed him on a little bit and he and he revealed to me what it was. And it, was, and it, it happened to be Peter Buck of REM and and Scott McCoy and Bill Rieflin, a couple of their musicians that, you know, have been playing with him for years and had invited me up to to record with them. And I was like, no, I just said, no, you're kidding me. That is, I did not believe it. I, I, I trusted him, but I did not believe it. If you, you know, if you can reconcile those two, those two thoughts. So it wasn't until I got off the plane up, up in, up here in Seattle. And I, you know, Bill Rieflin, the drummer picked me up from, uh, from my place and, and took me to the rehearsal studio and we're I'm walking up. I got my guitars in hand and, and walking up the other direction on the sidewalk, there's there's Peter Buck. I said, I can't believe it. It's actually true. Yeah. It's really happening. Because, you know, I grew up on, I mean, REM is the tr- soundtrack of, like, that's on the radio all the time. Everybody knows their songs. That was like, so, and they wanted to play on my music? That was weird. So, yeah, I was stoked. Yeah, that's awesome. So you got to go in the studio with these guys, record your songs, right? More or less. Yeah. And how did that process go? Did they respond like immediately to it? Did they offer you, hey, let's do it this way instead? Or did you pretty much run the show and they, they did it as is? Okay. Yeah. So they were, I mean, they are so pro, like I had never been in a professional studio before. So that, that, that scenario where I was talking about walking up and meeting him, well, that, that was the Sunday before we were going to go into the studio. So we were going to, we were, we were at Bill's rehearsal studio and you know, they had all the drums set up. So we, we rehearsed that Sunday. I showed him the song, we played him through and I had already said to myself, look, I don't want to run this show. I said, if I'm, I've never done this before. I, I will, I will definitely have my creative ideas, of course, and I'll, I'll need to hear some things. But I need them. To, I want to watch them do this. I want to see how it's done because I, I want to learn. Like they've been doing this forever. If I'm running the show, I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, you know, they are the best. So I just. And, you know, I had to play it kind of cool. Like the first time the next day when we went into the, the recording studio, they had these cool little device that stuck up out, you know, up off the ground that had these dials on. And they said with the headphones on. So that was going to be my own monitor to hear the thing. And uh, they knew exactly how the thing worked. I'd never seen one before. And they were <laughs> putting it on and dialing it in. And I was just 
just like sweating, not showing it, but like, okay. And I'm out of the corner of my eye. I'm just watching them, how, what they're doing. Okay, I've got it. I understand what this is. That's for the mind. Okay. And I just put it all together really quickly. But that's that's kind of like how I played it off that the first couple of days, especially just to pretend like I was, it was okay that I was there. It wasn't, they had not made a, a huge, huge mistake, just maybe a minor mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i assume obviously because uh i did get a chance to to hear that that album uh that you did uh it came out really good and oh thank you yeah no it was really cool and it, you know it just it's kind of funny you would never know necessarily that they were for instance rem musicians because it definitely had the the St. John flavor in there, which was really cool. So after the project was said and done um, and you guys kind of parted ways, was there ever any, you know, future connection with these guys at all? Or was that pretty much just it? Oh, sure. Sure. No. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the rest, the rest of that recording session was, you know, they, 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 we did most of the songs I, I, as I'd written them and they did, there was a, there was one part where they're like, well, this song needs a bridge. And I said, okay. And I wasn't sure what they meant. I, they they kind of meant that I was supposed to take the song away and come back. And then tomorrow we'll, we'll record it. You know, I'll take, take a song back, write a bridge and we'll, we'll record it. And so, uh, but I didn't know they meant that. I thought I needed to write a bridge right there. So I sat down and I, and within about 45 seconds or a minute, I wrote this, this little instrumental bridge section. And like, that's really good. I said, okay, cool. Thank you. I said, well, we didn't expect it right now, but yeah, we'll play that. I said, okay, cool. So I, they, um, they were really nice. And we did, we, they, you know, we kept, we exchanged information. We went out for dinners. Uh, when Peter visits, we've gone for, you know, we've gone to go see shows together, go see like people, great artists like Kurt Vile. And um, yeah, and we, we keep in touch also through other, people in the industry that we know and through cool. email. Unfortunately, uh, it's really, it's super sad. Bill Rieflin, the drummer, he just died oh, about a, a week or two ago. Yeah. And if, if the listeners don't know if you got, but if you guys know bands like, you know, KMFDM and ministry, and he even played with nine inch nails, really old school uh, stuff. He was, you know, he, he was such a brilliant drummer. He was one of the most musical drummers I've, ever met and he um uh he because he, he lived up here he and i hung out a bit more often he would we'd go for coffee and go see other shows like the crocodile and things like that but he um yeah he just died of cancer 59 or so so that's a that's a huge huge loss but go and listen to if you guys are looking to hear some just tremendous drumming he he left us years worth of awesome drum listing so go, go check it out yeah well, I had originally heard that story regarding the, you know, uh, REM members and Peter Buck and kind of how you came to to be with them when I heard you at the Brother Dawn's Songwriter Showcase, which was over a year ago at this point. And, yeah, okay. you know, that particular show I thought was really cool because there were some really talented people playing there. And I've been to a million open mics and songwriter showcases and all that stuff in my day. And sometimes you get people that are just starting out. Sometimes you get people that are there to kind of just practice and polish their craft. And I remember thinking, wow, there's some really, really, really cool people that are playing today. And then you got up and, you know, one of the rules, I call it rules, but it's pretty loose, but uh, is that, you know, they don't really like people to play cover songs. But you played a cover song of a Tom Petty song. And I remember looking at my wife before you started singing, I'm like, this is Tom Petty. And she's like, nah. And I'm like, it's fucking Tom <laughs> Petty. And, and you really kind of made that song your own. And then as I started kind of going back and listening to the music you've put up online and watched a few of your streams and realizing that when you play cover songs, you don't just play your version of a song, you know, kind of note for note, which is kind of what no. people do with covers. You you completely redo them um, in yeah. a very original format. And so yeah. what is your process for, for breaking down a song and really kind of reworking it? What's your thought process on how you do that? It's, it's really just not being a very good player. So when <laughs> I try to play it, that's how it comes out. Okay. So, 
So you're not overthinking it then. That's just it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I really, it definitely has, if, if I'm going to play a song, it, it, if I'm going to play a cover song, it can't be the way I've heard it a million times before. Cause I will probably slit my throat while I'm playing. I'll get really bored. Like I, so yeah, I, I need to definitely, I just know it's a, it's, it's, it's an imperative. I, I have some, I have, I have some obsessive compulsive tendencies for sure. And, when I do a cover song, it's it's one of them. I can't can't bring it the same way. Yeah. Well, maybe you would indulge us in another performance of a cover song. Maybe something that yeah. you were inspired by, or maybe just something you're particularly proud of. So take your pick and uh, tell us what you're gonna do. Well, let's let's do that Tom Petty song, man. Awesome. If, if you like that, when you mentioned it. I loved it. It was amazing. Okay, let's let's do that. I, I miss our Tom. I miss our Tom. Every day, there's not a single day where I don't think about Tom Petty. Yeah. So my wife and I were lucky enough to see him at his last show in Seattle, uh, and and it was literally just a couple of weeks before, and uh, it was absolutely epic, uh, unforgettable. And the sound crew, something happened. Like the first two songs they played, there was no audio, so they were up there playing. Right. There's no sound coming through the crowds yelling, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. And then finally they kind of figure out that they're playing with, with no, (laughs) with no music and, and, uh, they get it all fixed and he he comes back on and he goes, can you fucking hear me now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was was awesome. But yeah, it was uh, only, only a couple weeks later that, uh, that he wasn't with us anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is, he was, he was just so just a magnificent figure i yeah okay so yeah this is a this is this is an older tom petty song too one of the things i also one of my rules about cover songs is i don't usually do the obvious cover song so if you do a tom somebody says oh do a tom petty song they might give you free falling or uh you know name like one of his other ultra ultra hits but I like to. I I'd also like to dig a little bit deeper into the catalog, so it, it comes out out as a little more original, also. So that's what we're gonna do here.
Ah, man, I just have chills hearing that. It's just so, yeah, it's so different um, and still respectful, Thanks. respectful to the source. So uh, that's. Yeah, you know, that it's it's a testament to uh, a good, you know, a good song and a good songwriter, like, you know, great songwriter, songwriter like Tom Petty is that you can take one of those songs and you can transform it yeah. and it's still going to come across a great song. It doesn't rely on the production of your, you know, of how they first recorded to be a good song, which happens, you know, if you take a lot of pop songs that are on the radio and you took all the, 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 the button pressers out and just have the first, you know, out, it wouldn't, you know, and I'm not, there's a great value to the song. So please, I don't want hate mail on those. I love a lot of pop songs, I even cover some of them, but you know, it's it it's different. The, the structures of those songs are different. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it takes it takes a certain kind to really be able to interpret things, uh, and and still have it be recognizable. So uh, so props to you on that one, man. That's that's easily up so there much. in my top ten favorite cover versions of any Tom Petty song I've ever heard. So uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Man. Yeah. Thank you. Knocking it out. So, well, you know, bringing it back then to, to current times, obviously, as we touched on earlier with the, the current COVID situation, you're kind of cooped yeah. up in your house. What's going on with the band then? Are you writing new material? Are you taking this opportunity to, to kind of sure. produce some new stuff? Yeah, I went into I, I I don't know if I want to call it just I went into manic mode where uh, you know I, I was already so so busy before everything was going on because I had tons of shows and they were all going super well and I was promoting them well so it takes a bit of work but when all my shows just went away on one day just one day they just vanished because of you know the, all the bars and everything closing um, I had to switch gears immediately so I went into uh, I went immediately just writing like crazy. I said, okay, well, when I'm done with this, I want to have just, I, I basically want to have a, a huge, strong foundation to build on again, you know, with my shows. I want to have a better social networking press. I want to have tons of songs. I want to finally, you know, start doing this live webcast stream. I want to, and I like, yeah, I want to have, a, I want to have a ton of songs to, to, to play when I get out. Yeah. You know, we refer <laughs> to that we refer to that in the corporate world as pivoting. Um but yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's definitely, you know, something that, that I've noticed a lot of artists are basically having to really be creative in the way that they think about how they approach their audiences with with engagement and saying, Hey, I'm still here. So um are you still working with the revelations or are you kind of working on solo material right now? Uh, there's not much that I can do with them. I, although I, um, I sent some, I sent some demo tracks to Oliver, our drummer to, cause he has, he has the ability to record drums at, at home. So he's going to, he's trying to, you know, make time for that. Um, it's just, it's just difficult because, you know, I've got the studio here at my place. So, and nobody can come over, of course. <laughs> so we're kind of, I am definitely mostly doing solo stuff. Well, we'll, we'll try and do some collaborations where we'll splice together some videos. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep as much momentum going as we can, but being you know realistic that, you know, we can, we can all pop onto social media and say hello to each other and, and share pictures. I, I was also starting up a new, uh, new local Kitsap County music project called moon ghost. Okay. And, that we had our first show just maybe we were supposed to have our first show just maybe a week after we got everything got shut down. So that was kind of disheartening. Uh, so I especially kind of went into songwriting mode for that, that project as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're one of the people out there in the world that, I mean, you literally rely on that live element, the performance factor to make your living. I mean, you are a working musician. Sure. And so kind of taking it past just the hobbyist level, this is something that's affected you greatly, correct? Oh, 
Oh, what all everything it is it has affected everything about my my life definitely i you know i still make royalties i write songs for other people as well and i write songs on commission so i do i may i can make a bit of money on that on you know doing that as well but most of my money is for sure from live performances but if if any of your listeners are out there right now and they say oh you know what i want to hear this guy on spotify you should and then when you're done listening to me on spotify just turn the music down and let it repeat a million times because I get I get a, I get a portion of a penny for each play it gets. But yes, you know, please, I'm an independent musician, you guys, share it. Well, so you mentioned Spotify, of course. What are the other platforms that that you're that you're on where people can find your music at? Yeah, I think I'm. I try to be on all of them. So Apple Music, Deezer, Pandora. I have, you know, if they go to my my website, sjatr.com. I have a bunch of music on there. Uh, YouTube. I try to have it fairly accessible for folks. Yeah. And right now you're focusing, your, your I should say your, your primary focus is on kind of developing this webcast. So tell us about that, kind of what's the idea behind it? How do people engage with it? Is it on a regular schedule? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier, you know, when living in Venice Beach, uh, you meet a lot of people in the you know, the broadcast industry, and you just just knowing them, you just all of a sudden you learn how to do stuff. So I actually I I got this, I got all the broadcasting software and and got can you know, set up my cameras and so you know, I, I definitely need to get into webcasting, and so I, I I channel it up, put it on Patreon, so folks could support my video making on Patreon. And I came, I I did a few test shows. I, I said, okay, how does it look on Facebook? How does it look on Twitter? How does it look on Instagram? And I determined what well, really looks best on YouTube. It's the high quality. People can put it up on their televisions, which looks super slick. I love. They've been sending me photos. Like people, fans from around the world, like in the United Kingdom, Canada, everywhere, sending me photos of me performing on their huge televisions on their wall. It's like, it's, it's so, it just looks cool, you know? Um, and now that I've done a few test episodes, I will be, I have a regular schedule. It's, you know, every Sunday and Tuesday at noon Pacific, and then Wednesday at 7.30 or 7, it's on my site, and then on Friday at 6 o'clock. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, speaking of Sundays, I mean, you were hosting regular Sundays with St. John at a local brewery, correct? Yes, yes, I, yes. I don't remember exactly which brewery that was <laughs> because I've done that at a few, I, I've, I've, I've had the same format at a few, or, you know, a similar format at a few venues. I, I have had so many residencies around the Pacific Northwest of places that I, I perform at uh, consistently. Cool. So as far as this webcast goes, if people want to check it out and kind of log into it, uh, you, you send them like an invite link, say, hey, I'm going live on this channel or that channel, Facebook, YouTube, and then they can just kind of yeah. click on it and join in the session. Yeah, there there are persistent links to it on my website. There are persist, persistent links to it on my Instagram profile. I post, I, I try to share it on Twitter and Facebook. Patreon subscribers, they get an email, uh, a daily email reminder with a link in there. So it's easy for them to go, oh, yeah, I, got, I have nothing. Because so many people are like, how am I going to fill my time right now? What am I going to do? And... It's it's so it's so cool that uh, tons of really talented musicians. I've had such a great time watching folks perform. Like I have a I have a bunch of uh, musician friends that I always oh you know what I'm not doing anything right now. I'll scroll through. Oh they're performing. Cool. I'll click on it and watch them for a few minutes. It's a great way to spend and kind of reconnect with people too. Because if you share it on your profile and uh, you say hey guys start a watch party or or join me in here. You know it's kind of like going to a show a little bit together. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I show that it's live. I, if people message, I definitely comment to them and, you know, it's very interactive. Yeah. And I can tell you guys firsthand that, uh, St. John is in fact very active with his audience during the live streams. He'll answer questions. He'll give you shout yeah. outs. He'll, he'll drink a virtual beer with you. He'll play 
songs by request. It's really cool. So if you get a chance, Thanks, man. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, make sure that you follow St. John on all of his social media channels, as well as his website, as well as his music sites. Buy his music, subscribe to his channels, watch the webcasts, and <laughs> most importantly, become a patron. Support him in all of his endeavors because this is a dude that deserves to be out there sharing his music with the world. And of course, if you like what I'm doing, do the same for me here on Misery Point Radio. Follow me on all the channels, all that good yeah. stuff. So, St. John, dude, this has been absolutely epic. I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me here on Misery Point Radio. How about we close this out with one last song? Tell us what we're going to hear. You got it, Mike. Misery Point Radio, thank you so much for having me. I'm going to sing a song for you. We were talking about Sun House and John the Revelator. This is a song that is sort of in the same vein, but it was written by St. John the Revelator. So this is one of my originals. <laughs> it's called Madman. Because I did say, hey, St. John, close us out with a song. And it was such a huge honor to have him play three songs for us live here today. However, I thought, what kind of a host would I be if I didn't play at least one of the songs that he got the chance to record with members of REM, specifically Peter Buck, Scott McCoy, and Bill Rieflin, who is unfortunately no longer with us. So we're going to really close out the show this time with one of those songs. So check it out. This one's called Hear Me Now. Hear me now. 